Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to the Pebble Report Podcast. My name's Justin Wick. His name's Kenneth Weber. Kenneth, what's up, man? Not too much. It's warm now. It's not, I feel very certain that the snow is completely gone out of Denver, so <laughs> my spirits are just generally about 50% higher. It's toasty. It's joyous. I feel like I do need to come clean on this. As the resident Arizona guy of the Purple Row crew, it is 102 degrees outside. I made it out to the Complex League game yesterday, so you know what? Hey, we're making our rounds. We're doing our little Pebble Report coverage. Um I think it's supposed to be pushing 110, 111 down here. So needless to say, you know, send your well wishes to anybody. Yeah, congratulations to the Complex League for finally playing now. And it's going to be a high of 110. There you go. <laughs> yeah, don't put your cars in the sun. Otherwise, your bumper will melt off. But enjoy yeah, playing yeah, baseball. I found the closest, biggest tree to park under, and that still wasn't enough, man. My yeah, goodness. it caught on fire. <laughs> so anyways, if you're tuning in, I imagine the majority of our audience it would make sense if it is people that live in Colorado, of course. You know, soak it up. Enjoy that cool mountain breeze coming in in the evening time. And, you know, big shout out. Go find my guy K-Dub, of course, because he's holding it down, recovering all the good prospects in Colorado, man. Um, good to be back, first of all. I feel bad for like this kind of extended hiatus, but you know what? Life gets thrown your way and then we find out we got some really big headlines that we need to cover right here. So like all sorts of different details that we need to cover. Um, first thing I want to talk about our big league pitching staff. I know this is a minor league little coverage that we do here. Um, as of our recording date, Wednesday, June 8th, the Rockies have a 5.27 ERA among starting pitchers. Um, as Kenneth gives me the thumbs down over the screen. Right I'm pretty there. sure that's not good. <laughs> that's what the kids like to call. I, I don't know what that, that that's just no really bueno. bad. That's just a lot of kids speak Spanish. <laughs> that is 5.27 among starting pitchers. That's the fourth worst in baseball. 
Um, we're, we'll get into the minor league side of this in a second. Um, we're just setting the table here. Rocky's starting pitcher ERA in the month of June is 7.47. Um, that is second only to the Twins at 7.50. Now, mind you, that 7.47 in Colorado includes Herman Marquez pitched tremendously on Tuesday. Chad Cool did really well in his last start. Kyle Freeland did extremely well in his last start as well. That's including those three starts. It is a 7.47. Yeah, a lot of, so a lot of compensating like, outside of half of the good starts. Like I have, when I collected this data, I was dumbfounded. Just thinking to myself, like, wait a second. I mean, this is, this is just not, I mean, you're so deceived because there was such low run scoring in the Atlanta series. And, you know, the month of June is still relatively young. But well, anyways, the point being, where do we turn? Like we're looking at the Albuquerque isotopes ERA that, you know, they are in a very potent run scoring environment down there in Albuquerque. So their ERA is going to be a little misleading. Um, it's still 30th out of 30 in AAA. Like I, I really, I'm sorry that we're starting with such negative tone on this little podcast right here, but it's just, there's not very many ways to turn right now. Um, we wanted to cover just the AAA pitching depth and talk about, you know, if there is going to be instant relief in the AAA ranks, where are the Rockies going to turn? So, you know, the usual names that we could anticipate in this position are Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison. Um, that's kind of a Rocky position right now. We can even look at Jordan Sheffield as maybe he could get back to his starter roots. That's also a guy without a whole lot of body work. And, you know, I, we were joking on the podcast or before we got started today, we were joking around talking about, you know, this is essentially like shopping at Goodwill of you're going to order the thrift store. You're going to walk in. You're going to hope that something really good is on the shelf. You never know what you're really going to find, but maybe there's going to be somebody available that, you know, you can use for, yeah, have a good time for a little while. And I mean, that's not exactly investing in the future, but at the same time, that's kind of what you need at this point in time. So I hate to bring this analogy. That's kind of what the Rockies honestly did with Chad Cool, And now he's got the lowest ERA out of their entire starting pitchers. So, Kenneth, I do want to turn this over to you. I don't even really know how I want to preface this other than just what are what, what are we doing? What, we got? what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, Cool is interesting because at least he was a major league contract. Um, and so that that seemed to be the plan from the outset was this is going to be a major league piece. Um and you you under you could see the plan at least a little bit where you have somebody like Block who could be a long man maybe he surprises and he's that thrift store find and is you know really blooms and then you have Cool as a flexible option as a spot starter um, or that long relief guy um, but then you know what what keeps on picking at me is you always look and the Dodgers are the prime example they you know they're the class of the league in a lot of different ways. Um, as a Rockies fan, it's easy to cringe when you hear the Dodgers even being brought up, <laughs> um, and I get that. But the Dodgers every single year just have an absolutely stacked AAA team because they know that the amount of depth that they have to have throughout the season is going to have to be pulled from somewhere. And you can't just rely on it falling into your lap through waiver wire, through outrights, through overperformance of your minor league guys. You have to kind of bolster the amount of depth that you have to pull from so that way you have better chances of having the depth in starting pitching or, you know, position players. And they do it year after year. And they always have something to pull from. And with the Rockies this year, you know, I was a little bit more high that their depth was in a better position than it has been in so many previous years. 
But as soon as you lose a Ryan Rollison, you basically depleted half of that depth, half of that plan from the get-go. It was nice when you could look at it and say, okay, Lambert will be built back up, but you know, it might be slow. Rollison is going to bounce back this year. And then Feltner looks like he could be a dude and let's see how he looks after breaking out last year. And that has quickly turned into, well, we think Ryan Feltner is there. Rollison is toast and Lambert. We don't really know when he's actually going to be ready to throw more than one time through the order. And that's kind of the, the position the team is in right now. So they have reached out. They signed uh, Jose Ureña, uh, who used to be a Marlins and Tigers starter. Um, they recently signed Riley Smith, who has had some, you know, good outings in uh, Albuquerque, but some duds at the same time. So they have reinforced a little bit, but that's kind of what we're looking like we're going to pull from right now is maybe Ureña is still, a, you know, a major league caliber pitcher. And maybe Lambert gets built up and maybe Smith is something you take a flyer on. But when you get past that, it's still the same problem. And if, you know, those two minor league free agents don't pan out, then we're still in the exact same position of Rollison is toast. Let's see how strong we can get Lambert and what he looks like. And Feltner is probably the only option at this point. Sure. I think that you hit the nail on the head right there. And I mean, I think just looking at the age of both Arania and Smith, Arania is 30 years old right now which, I mean, that puts him right around the same department as Chad Cool. You look at Riley Smith, he's 27 years old, so not exactly – I mean, I, I wouldn't consider him young at that point in time. I mean, he's certainly got plenty of big league experience within reason over the past two years. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me to look at, you know, just when you think, like, where are we going to turn, there's always, like, a replacement-level – arm that you can call upon and whether that be if somebody gets dfa'd you might be able to just snatch him up and throw him right into the rotation but you know you did bring up a good point talking about you know the developmental strategy of the dodgers which i understand the rockies audience on our podcast does not want me to praise the dodgers for this but you know you develop prospects to be able to make the moves that you inevitably want to do whether that be that rounds out your actual big league rotation or i mean even by the means of if the dodgers didn't have the the prospect reserve that they have, they would have never been able to lure Max Scherzer with somebody like Josiah Gray. So mm -hmm. it's, I'm thinking, especially now that the draft has been shortened, you don't get as many lottery tickets as you once did. You know, what once ran 40 rounds deep, I understand that, you know, the latter draft picks weren't exactly the higher touted when they were the replacement level people, but at the same time, you know, they're still under your watch and they still could pan out. So the instant luck department of are these guys just going to work if we throw them at the wall and see what sticks, you don't nearly have as much of a safety net as you do anymore. And I'm kind of concerned at the fact of if there's a high payroll team that also coincides with an organization that really invests in the development, which for all things considered is the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's very concerning to look at, you know, it was easy to feel like you would be left behind before if you didn't feel like your organization had the developmental strategy as one of those organizations. But now that the draft is shortened and now that this is the way that the game is going, I think that that definitely exposes it that much more. So at the same time, you know, at what point within the big league rotation, is it unfair to, I mean, I'd hate to bash the Rockies bullpen at this point, but you know, anybody other than Tyler Kinley, for the most part, you know, it's, again, an inflated ERA. I mean, even if it was a league average bullpen, you're still pitching in Colorado, which is really tough. Mm -hmm. um, at what point is the responsibility of, you know, if you're a starting pitcher in Colorado, you have to go out there with the expectation that you're at least going to go five. 
just because that's that much more of a taxing late innings. And it's just, it, it's difficult to expect your bullpen to contribute as much as they would at sea level. And that's just kind of the nature of what the Rockies work with. So that's something that, you know, again, you're just playing the secondhand flyer with a guy like Uranian Smith. I certainly don't mean to bash them for that by any means. I'm sure they probably kind of see the writing on the wall at this point in time, but it's, I, I comforting is not the right word by any means, but it is satisfying to know that, you know, we're not going to suffer from burnout just because if we really need somebody that's going to come up into the big league ranks, we actually have two people that are readily available to get picked up out of. So anyways, I wanted to preface that. Of course, we wanted to kind of lay the land. I know that again, this is a minor league podcast. We don't necessarily want to talk all about the big league ranks, but I did want to talk a little bit about Smith and Uranus so far. In Albuquerque, Riley Smith has 25 and a third innings. He was picked up a handful of weeks ago. He's working with a 5.33 ERA right now, so he's not exactly turning a whole lot of heads. Um, his whip is 1.15, so I would suggest, you know, he's maybe got just a little bit unlucky with some ERAs. He's allowed six home runs in 25 and a third innings, but again, Albuquerque is a pretty potent run scoring environment as well. That ball's going to fly a lot more there than it is some other places, but you know, that was something that stood out. Of course, if we look at where Urania is at this point, his whip is about half a point higher. His ERA is also lower. So I guess turning this over to you, would you rather see in the case that there is truly an emergency that we need one of them called up? Would you pick Urania first or would you pick Smith? Um, I mean, to an extent, I would ride the hot hand. Um, and, and it would also have to probably line up with um, who has, who's freshest. You know, there, there's a lot of those um, transactions that get decided based off of who is available right now. And, you know, can, can we plug them in tomorrow? Um, if I had to choose between the two, I mean, Urania has been, has had his moments as a big league pitcher. So I don't know if I'm basing it all off of expected performance, I'd probably feel safer throwing him in there. Um, but Riley Smith, I mean, as far as I know, he actually doesn't have any major league time to this point in his career. So why not give him a big league debut? Just see how it goes. No, he does. He does. I apologize. Yeah, I'm checking. Uh, yeah, he had a little bit, I, I mean, a little taste with Arizona. I mean, it's looking through. He had a good 2020, but I mean, again, I don't know how much we can really weigh on to 2020 because that was just such a weird point in time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, part of it is there's, there's a little bit more of an unknown that exists with Riley Smith um, than it does with Urania. Um, maybe, maybe to change the conversation a little bit, see what Brandon gold has, you know, yeah. if he ends up being the guy because he's someone that has been in the system for a while and you want to see um, kind of maybe what he could do um, if given the chance, you know, what, what stinks uh, I think heading into this uh, season, a lot of people who follow the farm system, kind of just rooted for Frank Duncan to be like, just defy the odds, man, yeah. go out there and do it. Like you're a mechanic, <laughs> we know, but you also can pitch. So let's just go for it. Come on, random Frank Duncan. And it just hasn't worked out um, so far this season. So he was someone that I guess I would put in the position of Brandon gold heading into the season of, I just want to see him make it. I want to see, you know, what's there because that could be that nice surprise guy um, that performs. But, you know, if we're in a pinch, at this moment in time, with with the way everything lines up, if it can't be Feltner, you go with who's freshest between Smith and Urania. And if I have you know belief in one of them, it's probably Urania because he's had some previous success at the big league level. 
you know, I would, I would likely second that. And again, it's so much based on need. I mean, at this point in time, clearly Ryan Feltner is going to be the one that's going to be getting the nod, but it's comforting to know that, I don't know if comforting is the appropriate Mm. word for this, but in case somebody does get hurt, we do have a couple reasonable options that, you know, we bolstered where we actually need it at this point in time. And I mean, I guess if you just look down the list of 11 different pitchers have made starts for the Albuquerque Isotopes this year. One of them is Antonio Sensatella. One of them is Ashton Goudeau. So, and Feltner's another one. So those are ones that, you know, we can kind of just throw out of the mix from there. You know, you have just such a limited sample and, you know, you mentioned Frank Duncan. I know Matt Dennis is another candidate that he was in Mm -hmm. Hartford last year. He pitched particularly well in the Arizona fall league and, so far, Matt Dennis has a 10.06 ERA through 34 innings. Um, he's had 11 appearances and six have been starts. So again, you know, that's a little bit more depleted to where we're really kind of taking him out of the mix a little bit. And, you know, judging by, I mean, any of the names that we haven't hit on so far, Brandon Gold's got a 4.25, but everybody else is above five. I mean, Urania hasn't given up a run in one start so far, but that's kind of the only exception that we're looking at. So I guess another twist, and we can't presume this, but I'm curious your thoughts of the Rockies just signed a bunch of big contracts, like five to seven years on the on the long end. And, you know, if you are Kyle Freeland or Chris Bryant or Ryan McMahon and you see Jose Urania gets called up, you know what you know what it is like. He's just a guy that's going to get you through the end of the year. You know exactly the way this is going to work versus. You know, is there, I guess there's, is there any difference if Brandon Gold were the one that was called up? And I understand you can't make this based on a clubhouse move, but at the same time, you know, that's a very sensitive kind of thing of, you know, it's not nothing against Jose Urania. He could come in and he could be, you know, the most personable dude ever. We saw this with Yoli Chassin and not many people have an issue with him. But, you know, when you just start to see this is continually the organizational norm, is this, I guess the reason I kind of presume this is this where Trevor story started to kind of go astray or or Nolan Arenado starts to realize, you know, what is the plan here? Like we signed these really big extensions and, you know, this is the recurring segment of, you know, it isn't a continual prospect pipeline. We don't have a guy that we can trade for, you know, a legit arm in case we are making a big candidacy. So You know, I want you to put like your, I mean, if you were lacing up the spikes and again, I know this is so unfair because we don't really know, like we're so distant and, you know, there's a reason that these guys signed the contracts that they did. They also signed it with the awareness of the current state of the farm system right now. But I mean, I want to hear your way of touching on this. Do you think the clubhouse dynamic is hurting because of it? Well, I, I'll try to be concise because I feel like there's a lot of different branches on, on this tree. Um, when you have the Arenado and story and the Arenado extension in particular, that's signed in the midst of team success, right? It's where we're good. Yeah. We're a playoff caliber team. We're going to continue to be this, this team. And that's kind of the promise. And then it all, you know, falls apart. And then there's the fractured relationships that come from it. Um, Sensatella Freeland, you look at uh, the uh, free agent contract for Chris Bryant these aren't being signed on the heels of a 90 win caliber team. These are signed on the heels of a closer to 90 loss team. And so there has to be an understanding of, hi Zoidberg, um, there has to be an understanding of, hey, what's coming in the future in years two, three, four, and five 
is going to be what really makes us that much better of a team when these reinforcements arrive. So I think you have to be living with it a little bit in the interim. And it's not like this is um, not, this is unique to just Colorado. Everybody has random pieces come and go. Sometimes you just need to pull from depth and it's for, you know, just a band-aid period. So I don't know. I think if I'm in the shoes, if I'm in that position, I trust the guy that has the big league, you know, pedigree that has the big league success and the big league arm. And I think that makes it Urania. Then again, maybe there was that camaraderie formed and maybe they saw something when they saw Brandon Gold in spring training and they are familiar with this guy. They believe in this guy, you know, they, they, they know what the expectations is. This isn't our future race. This is a guy that can come in and make a few starts for us if need be. So I think that's just part of the major league process in, in the course of a season is you have some guys come and go and you, you patch when you need to patch. And that's what this is. You know, I do like that kind of mindfulness too. And I mean, like you mentioned on the heels of success is when Arenado and story were coming through. I think it makes a world of difference when you see that, you know, I don't want to say there's a different kind of commitment, but it's based on a, it's a different nature type of commitment. And I think that can make a big difference. And at the same time, you know, it always matters to somebody like this is, it's not like Jose Urania is just going to show up and people are going to like, I mean, it, it matters to him to be back in the big leagues. And I think that, I guess where I go with this is there's something to be said about putting a competitive product on the field at mm-hmm. all times. Like, I mean, this is, if you feel like your product isn't competitive and I think this is the reason why so many teams just try to avoid an outright rebuild. If you don't put a competitive product on the field, there's a chance that, you know, maybe your rebuild isn't going to go the way you want it to. And, you know, you're going to ostracize people just because it isn't the competitive big league product that you want it to be. So that's something that, I mean, I guess that's something to kind of hang on to of maybe this is a positive move. And, you know, at the very least, you know, you have an established big league arm, or I mean, I don't know if established is the best word for it, but I mean, I mean, fairly reasonably. Yeah. I mean, a guy that has reasonable success in the big leagues. Um, Another thing that I want to touch on before we go to a break is, and I know this is more of a big league analysis, but I would be shocked if Tyler Kinley is still in a Rockies uniform come August. What would you want for him? Oh, well, so I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, This is... (laughs) So this is always the Rocky specific thing where it's just like, here is what I've seen 29 other teams do, or you can limit it down to 27 a little bit more because somebody like the pirates will ultimately make these horrible decisions too. But when there (laughs) comes to basically like, dude, this is a nowhere road, but you have something that could help improve your chances next season and beyond. Why don't you take that chance? And then the whole drama heading into this offseason was it, they had the chance to do that with Story and Gray, two very yeah. big ticket items, and they didn't do anything about it. So then, you know, I, I could just see them holding on to Daniel or uh, to Tyler Kinley in the same respect of how they've done it with like Daniel Bard in the past or Ottavino in the past or something like sure. that, where they, they want a bullpen ambassador and whoever finds success in Colorado, they need them to teach other relievers how to be successful as well. Like they just have that set somewhere in stone um, in the, in the clubhouse or in the front office. So I think he sticks around, but also if he were to get traded a reliever and in a rental ish situation, because I think he's still in arbitration. Kinley is um, this is where you fill in your top, your, your, your 15 to 20 range. Maybe you get two lottery ticket arms. Basically, if you can get like another Sam Weatherly 
where there are some concerns about it. He's not a sure thing, but it's a pretty live arm. It can give you added depth for as you know, you need it. And as it comes along, then all of a sudden, if it clicks on one of the two guys that you get, great. Now you just added another future piece that it might not be a certainty and he could always be converted to a reliever as well. That's ideally what I would target. You're not going to expect somebody to give up their, you know, number two shortstop. You're not going to get Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles or something like that. <laughs> but you can go out there and you can say, okay, you know what? I, I see this righty uh, who's, you know, out of San Francisco's organization. He's got a really live arm. They're stacked with pitching ahead of him. He's going to be expendable for them. We think that this could be somebody that would be, you know, a future big league pitcher and could be as high as a number three or something. And you throw him in the deck with, you know, a McMahon and the rest of the, and Kaufman and the rest of the double A staff. And now you just have that much better depth in the future. That would be my ideal trade. You know, I don't know if I could have said that entire thing better myself <laughs> right there. You know, I would be, I wouldn't be, that it's fair. I, I don't think they have any reason to hold on to a Kidley, but I also could, I mean, I agree. Like, it's, Other than the ones they make up in their own head. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most Rockies thing ever at that point. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I agree. And I mean, I guess the only thing that I would add on this as far as, you know, the current reserve of pitching in the Rocky system is, you know, outside of Ryan Rollison, I guess rounding out the top 20 prospects, it is the Sam Weather, or I mean, excuse me, it's the Chris McMahons of the rotation. It's Jaden Hill. It's a bunch of dudes that, you know, they don't have any experience beyond high A right now, or if even too high A other than McMahon. Um, I would like to see, I mean, if Hartford had an ace, I think that would be really cool. And I mean, just to be able to kind of bridge the gap of, you know, understanding that you are going to kind of play the long game at this point in time. You've got Sensatella and Freeland locked up to be able to bridge that. But, you know, at what point is it enough of you don't want to just wait three to four years for Chris McMahon to hopefully get there? And I think that's kind of the waiting game that, you know, it's I, I wish there was somebody there. And I mean, maybe it's Rollison. Like, you never know. Well, where it could be. I'll, I'll disagree with that a little bit, because I think the work that Kaufman has done this year. And, and sure. OK. So, so this is where we get into the conversation of prospect analysis. If anybody wants Carl or expects Carl Kaufman to be in a big league ace, they're going to be disappointed. But when I look at it, especially in the proving grounds of double a Carl Kaufman is now showing that he's probably a big league pitcher and that he's sure. on that track for it. Um, I think Nick Bush was somebody that I was high on and we'll get to him too. Nick Bush was somebody that I was high on heading into the year, not because I think Nick Bush is going to be this stud and he's going to turn into Cliff Lee or something, but I think Nick or I think Nick Bush can be a big league left-handed pitcher. Maybe it's in uh, the Chris Russin role. Maybe he's the Swiss Army knife guy that can just kind of you know get outs as a thumber and it's not going to blow you away, but he can be a reliable arm for you know two, three years, something like that. So I think that there are big league pitchers on. Hartford right now. And I think Kaufman is putting together the body of work that makes you feel a little bit more secure in what's there, but it's not to the ceiling of what a Chris McMahon is or could be, I should say, or maybe Jaden Hill or something like that. And I think that's the point you're getting to is you want the guy that you feel comfortable will be a top three starter. That's not there necessarily right now, but Kaufman and Bush are at least kind of showing that there is something there um right now even as all the injuries have stacked up on the pitchers around them you know that is a really good analysis and I mean one thing for closing I will say my apologies for overlooking Carl Kaufman on this one thing that I think is a big tip of the cap 
Um, I mean, he made the jump to double A last year. And I mean, it was a tough jump for him. Maybe, I mean, that, that's a huge jump though. High A to double A is no joke. In his first pro season. Yeah. So, I mean, you go from a six, nine combined ERA between those two levels last year to now he's at a three, five, eight, and he's 24 years old. So that's pretty yeah. darn. I mean, you're dealing with a whip just above one. So you're controlling what could be on the base pass, which that's extremely important in Colorado. And He's allowed five home runs in a tick over 55 innings. So, I mean, roughly one per nine innings. That's that's very Coors Field favorable at that point in time. Yeah, the the success is absolutely there. And he's going to be a sinker ball guy. I mean, he's going to be a bit more of a pitch to a contact. So as he gets up against better hitting and better competition, he's not going to be, he's probably not going to have the same strikeout numbers. Um, but, you know, the success that he's showing in double A is showing that he knows how to pitch and his stuff is capable of getting outs consistently. Um, one other name that I want to throw just real quick is also Noah Davis. The numbers aren't great this year, but the stuff is. And so, uh, you know, this it might be a little bit longer of a path because you still have to get outs. You know, you still you, you can't be that triple A guy where you're contributing the seven and a half ERA and expect to make it to the majors. But Noah Davis' stuff is electric, and it is ticking up more and more. So you, you see a big league pitcher in that, too. So Davis Bush and Kaufman, you know, the, that, that gives you hope that there is pitching on the horizon in uh, the upper levels. You know, something to be said about Davis as well. He was part of the acquisition when the Rockies sent Michael Givens to the Reds. So, I mean, there's already something to be said there as far as they view him, I mean, highly enough to be able to go out and get him like that. So that certainly mm-hmm. speaks volumes and – you know, the pipeline is there are people there. It is kind of curious to see how it's all going to what could inevitably be, how this is going to play together and how we'll be able to go from there. So keep in mind all of those names. We don't know what's going to happen at the big league level. Hopefully we get a little bit more favorable ERA over at 20th and Blake. And in the meantime, 20th and Blake. And in the meantime, you know, across the nation, it could be a matter of time before some good stuff come together. So we are going to take a short break coming up. We are about to roll through. The happy part of our program, we got the, we got all the issues, we got all the rocks out of our shoes to begin with. It's time to crank out the all-May team for Colorado Rockies prospects. Um, we've got a full 26-man roster. We put it together on all of the top performers for the month of May. We will describe the ground rules as soon as we get rolling. We'll crank through how we're going to crank this out. We'll show you guys all the good stuff that we're rolling with. But in the meantime, don't go anywhere. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pebble Report podcast. We are here to break down a recurring segment. Now, I mean, now we can call it recurring. This is this is like, I mean, almost a monthly rendition that we've been doing from the get-go, man. This is the all-May team. Following up, you guessed it, the all-April team. There you go. Um, it's time to name the all-May team of Colorado Rockies prospects. And here's how we broke it down. Every position is represented. So we have, it's not like we just took the best hitters and the best pitchers. We, I mean, we went down to the granular relievers and starters. We covered as much as we could. We got a little messy with middle infield because, you know, guys are shaking around positions and any good middle infielder for the most part has been kind of a shortstop. So that's just kind of the way it works for the most part. We'll get into some specific details. Shout out to my, my guy, Juan Brito, hold it down at second base. He's the outlier that deserves a big shout out. Um, anyways, we're going to start with catchers. We'll go into infielders and outfielders, starting pitchers and relievers. And the plan is to post our full roster to Twitter. 
So that way you don't just need to break out a pen and paper to map out the whole roster. But if we post it right away, there's going to be no reason for people to listen to the episode. So if you're one of the OGs that is turning in, that tunes into this episode before the Twitter graphic gets released, just big shout out to the crew, man. That's awesome. We're going to drip feed it. We're going to give you one player each day for 26 days. <laughs> we're going to do a one-by-one posting. And next thing yeah. you know, it's going to be July. And we're going to have to do every all-made player team ever. <laughs> we're going to be rolling this into October. That's how good it's going to be. <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the catchers. Kenneth, I'll turn it over to you, my friend. Yeah, I'll kick it off. I mean, I want to give the honorable mention because Drew Romo's awesome. And we know that. And he was he was pretty good in May again. But uh the two two catchers that we're going to go with are Hunter Goodman and Brian Servin. Um, real quick on Servin, I mean, it's showing why he got the promotion to the major league team, and, and he's been you know doing his thing up there. He's got some pop, and he's a he's a really reliable catcher. Um, in May, you know, it was a, it was a little small because he spent a lot of the time uh, with Colorado, but in forty two plate appearances, hit two ninety four almost had a 430 on base percentage. So dude's a pretty good hitter and he's showing that he's major league caliber player. Um, Hunter Goodman, on the other hand, just mashes the heck out of the ball in Fresno. He's been doing it all year. Um, He posted nine home runs in the month of May. And I believe that was the top in the system. Um, And he's second in slugging as well with his uh, 580 clip. So Hunter Goodman's been doing it all year for Fresno. It's been really, really fun to watch. How long he sticks behind the plate, that's the long-term question for him as a prospect. But for right now, man, that bat has some serious big league power, and it uh, showed up in May. You know, very cool to see nine home runs out of anybody over the 30 RBIs a in a that's month. That's no joke. That's 30 RBIs. <laughs> I mean, if you get that slugging percentage north of 500, you know, you're doing something right right there, man. Seriously, man. Jeez, very cool to see something come together right there. I'll go over to first base. I'll talk about another guy that's been mashing – um, he only had six home runs to Hunter Goodman's nine, but that's also no joke. Michael Tolia pulled it down in double A. Um, batting average of 228, so that's not really turning a whole lot of heads. Slugging percentage of 478. So that means his OPS is literally one point shy of 800. That's a 799. Um, really relying on a lot of extra base power. Five doubles, six home runs out of his 21 hits on the month. So. Yeah, over half of your hits on the month are for extra bases. So that's some serious candidacy right there. Um, rounding out, another guy that we had at first base was Grant Levine in high A Spokane. Um, his OPS 846, which that is one of the higher ones on this all-May team that we have selected. Um, coming together, not as many long balls, only has one to totally a six, but also has seven doubles and three triples to go along with it. So total bases are going to be right in the similar department to where Tolia is. Um, fun to follow along just to see that there's, I mean, the organizational depth as far as recognizing that, you know, across levels and especially to see that, you know, these two guys could theoretically be really competing against each other. If they continue this clip, I understand that, you know, it's tough to really measure that when one of them's in Washington and the other is in Connecticut right now, but it's fun to put that together. And I mean, honestly, it's fun to see some dudes. I mean, that's the power hitting positions and we've got some guys that are holding it down right there. Um, Rounding out, I'll turn over. We have, this is where it gets messy. And I have to admit, you know, it's very difficult. I mean, if you're the best infielder on a team, you're probably the shortstop. That's just the way it works. So we're going to split this up. We have middle infielders and then I'll turn this to Kenneth. We have, I think, what is it? Seven names that we have on this list. I will feed off of you. I hate that I'm just turning this over to you like Lester Holt on the nightly news, just a huge monologue here. But I'll assist as best as possible. I'll turn the middle infielders over to you. 
Oh, you're good, man. And it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that Levine and Togli are on opposite side of uh, uh, opposite sides of the country because they're kind of polar opposites in terms of like a first base product. Toglia is this, you know, extra base machine uh, that doesn't really hit for average, while Levine is more of an average guy that doesn't have the ton of power, too. Sure. So it's just two very opposite uh, profiles. But when we move over to the middle infield, um, I'll start primarily at second base, and we have two guys um, that we'll, we'll look at as second baseman, and that's uh, Juan Brito, as you mentioned, in Fresno. I mean, a 288, 448 on base percentage and a 463 slugging. 911 OPS, that Fresno infield is stacked between Brito, Amador, Goodman, and uh, Bernabel. And I feel like Brito can get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but he's been awesome all year long uh, for Fresno. And then the other is going to be Eddie Diaz at second base. Fast Eddie is somebody that we've known about for a long time. Um, I'll admit that I, you know, I lost a little bit of faith in his bat after last season. And it's tough for any prospect, you know, coming off pandemic, everything that they were going through heading into 2021. And Diaz didn't really thrive, but he's really rebounded nicely this year. Um, May was a good example of that. 292, 366, 371. Power's never there, but there's a reason why they call him Fast Eddie. When he gets on base, <laughs> he's just a machine, man. Um, stole 10 bases in, uh, in May in 23 games. Um, had 11 walks to 16 strikeouts. So he's reaching bases both with the bat with 26 hits and drawing his walks. And then once he's there, scoring a ton of runs, 16 scored in the month and swiping a bunch of bases. So Eddie Diaz, man, it, it's nice to see him coming back. Um, so those are kind of who we have penciled in at second base. Um, when we move over to the shortstop side, you have to start with Ezekiel Tovar because Ezekiel Tovar <laughs> is just an absolute monster in My Hartford. Goodness. It's 320, 398, 560, and 958 OPS for the month of May. Five home runs, um, 16 runs batted in. He had 32 hits and 100 at-bats, scored 14 runs, uh, you know, 11 walks to 25 strikeouts. The strikeouts are up just slightly, but he is just an absolute monster that is constantly putting up highlight reels on Twitter for the Hartford Yard Goats account, <laughs> Yard Goats account, and it's just so much fun to watch. And on top of it, he's still fast as heck, nine swiped bags um, to just one caught stealing as well. So every single month that passes, it's just more and more impressive what Ezekiel Tovar is doing. Um, it's like it's like you're not even surprised like i mean this is just like a normal thing now (laughs) like it is what it is yeah the dude that we saw show up in spring training this year has just never gone away because there was always (laughs) like he's 20 years old i mean like come on yeah you have to temper expectations and then he just blows up and he's like i'm juan soto at shortstop deal with it (laughs) and then you're like all right i'll keep watching then and like it just hasn't stopped so Tovar is just in a league of his own. Uh, but we also have two other guys that we're, we're penciling in as middle infielders, and that's uh, Coco Montez and Julio Carreras. Uh, Montez is such a fun story because, like, Montez is just kind of this gritty ball player. He's this utility guy. I mean, if I was a Mets fan, I'd be like, he's my Luis Guillorme. I'm all about this dude. <laughs> like, just hits, just succeeds wherever he's at. 250, 373, 441 in his first real month with uh, – with, triple uh, a Hartford. So um, he hasn't really slowed down, you know, eight extra base hits, six doubles and uh, excuse me, nine extra base hits, six doubles, two triples, one home run. Uh, you know, this is just kind of a looking like a big league ball player and he's going to get there just through just raw work ethic. He's kind of one of those guys. So he's been a lot of fun to watch his ascent 
um, and May was a good uh, case study in that. And then the last is uh, Julio Carreras, uh, 238, 289 for the average and the on-base percentage, but a 548 slugging. Carreras is interesting because we were talking about it a little bit during the commercial break. He, he's kind of like my Dan Ugla in, in the minor <laughs> leagues right now in Spokane, where he just bombs, man. He just plays middle infield and hits bombs. He had six home runs in the month of May, 14 driven in. He also had eight doubles to go with those six home runs. He had 20 hits and 14 of them went for extra bases. Like that's just kind of the, the way that Carreras is, man. He's just this big swinging middle infielder. Um, so, you know, he had a bit of a down year last year in Fresno, but the power is showing up in Spokane this year. Um, so he's, he had a pretty good May, um, especially with the power output and he deserves to be on the team. You know, it's really cool. I do want to touch up first and foremost, huge tip of the cap to my guy, Kenneth, just powering through seven (laughs) different dudes right there. I mean, that, that deserves big notice right there. Um, something I think is really cool. And I mean, if we just look at, you know, the prospect distribution of levels for those middle infielders, it's pretty clear of, you know, Coco Montes, triple A, Ezekiel Tovar, double A, those are the leading candidates, but five of the seven are in high A or below right now. So, I mean, you just see the proving ground of, you know, let's see these guys really compete against each other. It's nice that, you know, you don't exactly want your one clear-cut favorite in high A. If you're going to have one, you kind of want them a little bit higher in the ranks. So that's exactly where the Rockies are looking at for middle infield prospects right there. And not to mention, you know, no disrespect to Jose Iglesias. You can't help but wonder how long is he going to be in a Rockies uniform, you know, as one of the older veteran statesmen on the roster. You know, the ground seems to be, like, paved right away for, of course, Ezekiel Tovar, but it could very well be, you know, if that 40 man roster spot opens up or even more importantly, a 26 man roster spot opens up for Coco Montes, this could be something that, you know, is his window closing because Tovar is so close on the middle infield heels right now. But I mean, at the same time, he's certainly proven himself and he's acting as an anchor in Albuquerque right now. Well, um, to your point too, I mean, like double A is the proving grounds and sure. Tovar has just exploded right through the proving ground side of it all, where it's like, we want to, you know, make sure you can get, you can survive past the A ball ranks and double A is where you trim a lot of fat. um, When it comes to the prospect side, Ezekiel Tovar has never looked better. And that's on the level where he's supposed to be struggling to show that he can be like a major league caliber player. And now, and that's why it's just like, cool, man, Juan Soto at short, I guess like he's 20 (laughs) and he's awesome. And double A is no problem. So let's go. And what I thought was one year for Iglesias might not be enough. Well, it might not even be a full year at this point. Like that's how good Tovar has been. You know, that's, that's like, that's cool. Like that's why we do the show right there is to show off guys like this. Man. Yeah. So if you tune in, you're ahead of the curve. You already know all the stuff you need to know right there, man. Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll rent out the infield. We do have two candidates for third base. Um, one of which is now on the big league roster. El Hiros Montero. My guy, there you go. Um, he had the third highest OPS among qualified minor leaguers in the Rocky system. That's across all levels, 961. Um, that's pretty darn good right there. That's, that's how, that's how you get it done. Six home runs, four doubles out of 30 total hits. Um, I mean, on the month of May itself going 30 for 93. So good enough for two, four, uh, 323 average, excuse me. Um, it's interesting to see just the split of, you know, again, slugging percentage north of 500, but he got that taste of big league action. And it seems like, you know, you get demoted, you kind of, I suppose it's to be expected of, you know, you're, if you get called up, you're going to be on that revolving door between AAA and the big leagues, just by the nature of the way roster distribution works and the way options are. 
And I mean, he clearly didn't lose any footing after he got that first big league taste once he got called up. So that's very cool. I can only imagine that certainly helps his confidence. And, you know, it went pretty unwavered as far as, you know, he all he did was just excel in the month of May. Good enough to be able to get promoted again on the big league club. And he was starting in the Tuesday lineup. Um, Rounding out infielders, our last candidate at third base is Aaron Schunk. He actually had a better OPS than Elhiris Montero did. Granted, Schunk in double A, Montero in triple A. Um, Schunk's figure was 979. <laughs> so if you're pushing the thousand there, that's not bad. Not as many home runs. He had three to Montero six, but again, 13 doubles, which that's 13 doubles to Montero's four. So slugging percentage of 607 for Schunk, that clearly separated him. And again, you know, if you're looking at a place like Coors Field with a big outfield, you know, that could very well be a place that's going to cultivate doubles. That's something that we really saw out of a guy like Todd Helton. I certainly don't want to throw those kind of details there as well. But I mean, you don't want to throw out the comparison for a guy like Double A right away at that point. But very cool to see that come together. And that's something that I think is awesome. Uh, We also have Warming Bernabel. I was adjusting my notes. I said we had two third basemen. We have three third basemen. Warming Bernabel in high A. He has an 875 OPS. And, you know, again, this is a dude that we were singing his praises in the Arizona Complex League. And now all of a sudden he's pitching and pitching. He's hitting in front of bigger Maybe. crowds. He's taking, yeah, you know, he can do it all. I mean, that's <laughs> something we, we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Pretty much the only thing we don't know about him is whether or not he's going to be towing the bump right there, man. But no, his batting slash 318, 381, 494 for the month of May. And just really cool to be able to see him getting his footing at that point. So that's something that I think, you know, a lot of optimism to be able to have right there. And, you know, that rounds out the infield, man. I mean, that's kind of an adventure as we're piecing all the positions together, but we got some pretty prime candidates and we've got some dudes with some bright futures right there. So I will turn it over. We've got outfielders, Kenneth, um, as I'm out of breath, just talking about, the <laughs> I can't believe you just I can see the precipitation. seven middle infielders, dude. I know. I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out, man, you powered through the earlier segment. Um, I'll turn over outfielders to you and I'll chime in if you're cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I just want to give a special shout out to Aaron Schunk. Um, it, it, a lot of high expectations on Schunk heading into last season, and it was a tough year. Um, it's a lot like the story of Eddie Diaz a little bit, where he's rebounded really nicely. And he started off pretty rough in April and May. He just bounced back hard. Yeah. Um, so Schunk is really, really encouraging to see him performing well again. Um, but moving on to the outfield, uh, you know, I'll start with the usual candidate, and that's Zach Veen. Zach Veen has not lit the world on fire right away. And it's maybe like, is there a bit of a slow starter in Zach Veen? It's I think what I'm, I'm starting to see a little bit, but as soon as he gets hot, he just gets scorching hot. 272, 361, 457 is the slash line an 818 OPS for him. Um, he, you know, the power output hasn't really gone nuts so far and Spokane has not been the easiest for power output either. Um, so partly environment and, you know, part of it is just the higher competition, but he did have four home runs. He had three doubles, 22 hits overall for the month in uh, 97 plate appearances, 11 walks and eight swipe bags. So Zach Veen is still excellent. You know, that's just the way that you, you have to accept, uh, you know, being the top prospect top of the perp pole is Zach Veen is still great. And he's showing it in May. Um, I want to lump the next two guys together a little bit. Uh, first, we're going to go with Braden Ward who has been a very, very nice surprise, Um, kind of a late round pick out of the 2021 draft. I think he was out of Washington. Um, Dude just runs like a deer and he is like this prototypical center field leadoff hitter. Um, And 
he started the season in, in uh, low A Fresno. He got moved up to high A Spokane at the end of May. But overall for May, 370, 485, and a 531 uh, slugging percentage for a 1.016 OPS. <laughs> that dude might be that's, taking home the MVP honors of the month. That's right studly. There. Dude, that's Man. super studly. I mean, he, like, I doing the Pebble Report, the, the column each week, it was just like, Brain Ward was just absolutely fantastic again. So there's that, uh, but we're going to leave it <laughs> to somebody else this time. Um, but 17 swipe bags as well. He didn't get caught stealing one time. I mean, he just, he made low a look like little league a little bit. And so he was very deserving of a quick promotion. Um, and the other one that I want to touch on is Daniel Montano or Montano. I don't know. They don't put the accents on the MILB website. So I apologize if I mispronounced it, but uh Daniel got promoted as well. Um, he got moved up from high A Spokane up to double A Hartford at the end of May. But for the month of May, dude hit 411 with a 500 on base percentage and a 679 slugging for a 1.179 OPS. Like Braden Ward was really good, but Daniel Montano was 100 points higher in the OPS for one that's already <laughs> over a thousand. Like he was stupid good. Um, in, uh, 56 at bats, uh, 69 plate appearances. He had 23 hits. He drew 11 walks. Uh, the power is never really the name of the game with him. Um, but he just puts the bat on the ball and he makes good contact, six doubles, three triples, one home run. Montano is showing that he's a good hitter. Um, he had, you know, one more walk that he did strikeout. So there's a lot of, uh, command of the strike zone with him. And he was super deserving of his promotion. So big shout out to Ward and Montano for getting their promotions and doing so awesome in May. Um, I'll get the one more outfielder here and then I'll turn it over to you. Well, actually I'll knock out the last two. Um, let's go <laughs> Yankee L Fernandez. Uh, he's somebody that like Bernabel, I was super high on um, heading into the season on Fresno's lineup. I see Yankee L Fernandez and I want to just like see what a young Jordan Alvarez looks like. And I feel like <laughs> Fernandez is kind of that build. I think um, anybody at Coors Field would be fired up. Oh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like, there's just, there is some thunderous bat speed that goes with him. Power isn't completely there yet. Um, one home run in the month of May, but he did have a 264, 333, 458 line. Um, score 10 runs. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good hitter and he's a young hitter and he's still learning, but there's a lot to like in Fernandez's profile. I think he's going to be a really excellent outfielder, corner outfielders, especially. And once he taps into that power, he's going to be scary, man. Um, and then last, I'm going to finish with Juan Guerrero. Um, Juan Guerrero, 291 average. The on-base percentage is 256, so that's not great, but a 494 slugging percentage. So there's a little bit of a Julio Carreras in, in Juan Guerrero's profile. And I think this is somebody that was moved off of the middle infield into the outfield just because it wasn't quite as smooth. Four home runs in the month of May, um, had four doubles as well, 21 runs scored. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good bat as well. There's not necessarily the discipline in the profile yet, but if that can start being developed, and that's one thing that you can't emphasize as an organization is developing plate discipline, the hand-eye coordination is there, and there's some real natural power that's already in that profile as well. So um, Guerrero is going to be somebody that's going to be exciting to watch in Fresno with the rest of the the cats in that lineup. And I mean, he was good enough to be part of the All May team. So shout out to uh, <laughs> Veen, Ward, Fernandez, Montano, and Guerrero. That's our five outfielder mix.
you know, that very well. I couldn't have done it any better myself. Probably you're just the strong man on the air, Kenneth Weber, man. There you go. If we have um, a double header and we have to call one guy up, it's going to be Trevor Boone, by the way. In 13 or 27th games, man. There you go. Yeah. He had five bombs in 13 games. Trevor Boone is his playing time is sparse, but whenever he's in the lineup, he just hits jacks. So, you know, if there's a bigger body of work for Boone, he probably would have been deserving on that. But special shout out to Boone. We, we, got, his, we got our eyes on him. Very good for the honorable mention selection right there. I like it, man. Um, another good side note, all of our outfielders are in high A or below. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, if you start facing a little bit more refined pitching, but that's part of the excitement of following guys like this. So really mm-hmm. excited to see potential promotions there. We'll go through our starting pitchers and then we'll hand it over to the relief pitchers as well. We've got our five-man rotation. At the top of it, we've got Brandon Gold. Um, I know this was kind of a topic of discussion at the beginning of our segment as far as, you know, who's going to be that potential replacement starter if the big league rotation needs it of course they've bolstered it with guys like jose urania brandon gold has been the guy that's been in the system he's got 3.74 era over 21 and two-thirds innings in the month of may it's not exactly turning heads by any means but at the same time with respect to the rest of the pitching staff in albuquerque i mean he's been a reasonable favorite with a pretty good body of work so he's been a perennial guy and he's likely been i mean their most dependable guy as far as somebody that's been there the whole year from there, we go into double A. Nick Bush had a tremendous month of May. He went just over 30 innings, put together a 2.67 ERA. Um, five starts. He was able to I mean, suppress the damage from four different home runs, which, I mean, again, four home runs in 30 innings. That's not bad at all, especially at a starter. Um, his whip was 1.02, which, I mean, anybody on this list is going to have a good figure there, but especially out of a starting pitcher and especially making the jump into double A and really proving himself against some more refined hitters. That's very cool. And that's a stat that I really like to look for when somebody does make that double A jump. Um, down the list for starting pitchers in Spokane high A right now, we have Mike Ruff. He's got a 2.73 ERA, just a tick above Bush, 1.08 whip, which is also just a tick above. Very similar inning count. He was one out shy of getting to the 30 inning point for the month of May. So he put together five starts. Again, you know, very dependable guy to really look for. And, you know, in a run scoring environment like Spokane, he's able to really take care of this. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see whenever that double A jump comes for him as well. I mean, he's certainly kind of paving the way. That's another thing to really look for, just like we mentioned for our outfielders. But he's made a definite case. Um, starting pitching in Fresno, we've got our final two pitchers on the starting rotation for the all made team are both in low a starting with the left-hander Mason green, a 1.13 ERA in 32 innings, even 1.0 whip putting together 31 strikeouts in 32 innings. That's no joke. I mean, definitely he's relying on, he's taking care of business right there. 11 walks, which that is the highest, but again, you know, I mean, if you're suppressing the damage with a one whip, that means you're not giving up many hits at all by any means. He gave up 21 hits in 32 innings. And then at the final candidate of the starting rotation, we've got none other than Douglas County high school's own case Williams, 2.22 ERA. He's got 33 punch outs in 24 to third innings in the month of May. And that's, that's pretty darn good when you start exceeding those figures right there. He did allow just a couple more hits than Mason green did. He allowed 23 to greens, 21. And again, you know, you're looking at 24 and a third innings for Williams versus 32 for Green. So a whip of 1.23 for Case Williams, still a pretty big deal. Not, not Nothing to slouch on by any means. So that's the five in the rotation. 
Um, we've pieced together the relievers. Kenneth, I'll hand this over to you, of course. But we've got a little bit of we got like closers, we've got setup dudes, we've got long relievers, we got a we got a whole mess of people right here. We got four of them. If you want to go ahead and un- if you want to unveil who we're working with, yeah, I'll unpack it real quick. I mean, there were a lot of good starting pitching performances, and that left some guys off like Carl Kaufman or Victor Juarez. Um, so it's it's tough to narrow it down to five. Um, last note on that. I'm excited to see if the strikeout bump that Nick Bush and Case Williams put up in May is something that becomes continuous because that could be a huge, huge feather in the cap and kind of elevate them to new levels. Uh, but moving on to, um, the, the bullpen, there's a lot of good choices, especially when we look at double a Hartford. Um, but we narrowed it down to four. Um, we're going to start with Chad Smith. Um, got the, the briefest taste of some big league action as well. Um, but in AAA Albuquerque through eight games in May, uh, didn't give up a single run over eight and two thirds innings, had uh, three walks and 12 strikeouts and a 0.81 whip. So there was, if anybody needed to come and reinforce that bullpen after Lawrence already got the call, Chad Smith was clearly the dude. And, uh, you know, he, he showed it all month getting those racking up six saves, 12 strikeouts and eight and two thirds with only four hits allowed. You can't really ask for more. Uh, moving on though, in the double A, we had to choose one. There's a lot of bad luck, uh, guys who didn't win out because double A's bullpen has been amazing in Hartford, but Steven Jones is, you know, the one that we chose because he's just been fantastic over 10 games, 13 innings, no earned runs allowed two saves, only six hits allowed, uh, 15 K's in those 13 innings pitched and, and a whip under one. So as I said, the yard goats bullpen has just been nasty, man. And Steven Jones has, has been at the top of the class of that for a long time. Um, next we'll move over to Zach Lee, who's also coming out of Albuquerque. Um, another right-hander in the isotopes bullpen in 10 games. Uh, he, he didn't allow, or excuse me, he did allow one run, but a 0.96 ERA, um, in nine and a thirds innings. Only five strikeouts and eight walks, so a little bit of a shaky foundation, but he also had an opponent average against of just uh, .103. So he's getting himself into jams a little bit rather than anybody's able to do it with the bats against him. So Zach Lee, really good signs, .96. You know, you'll take that over the course of a month anytime. And then uh, rounding out, we have to have a lefty in there. We can't go all righties, otherwise we're going to get burnt. <laughs> so we're going to have Austin Kitchen um, out of Spokane's bullpen. Um, he got two wins out of the pen. Good for him. Right place, right time. But he had a 0.59 ERA and 15 in the thirds innings pitched 14 Ks and eight hits allowed in that time frame with just one earned run a 0.78 whip. So you want to talk about having a hard time getting on base against somebody 0.78 whip coming out of the bullpen as a lefty. That's going to do it for you. So, uh, kitchen Lee Jones Smith. I mean, a lot of good bullpen performances this month, as I said, or last month. But those are the four that we're riding with coming out of the pen, the arm barn. You know, that's very cool, especially, I mean, two of those four in AAA right now, especially Mm -hmm. with, you know, the uncertainty that's going on with the AAA starting rotation. That definitely something you can really lean on. And at the same time, you know, across pretty much. Yeah, no kidding. In the event that something does fall apart. I mean, we already saw Chad Smith in the big leagues, of course. So, I mean, there's already going to be a little bit of stability there and you never know where they're going to tap into. But, you know, some clear candidates there and then a bunch of people down through the ranks as well. And that's it, man. That's the 26-man All-May team that we're getting taken care of. So congratulations once again. There you go. A big, huge deal. Um, you know, hopefully this isn't short-lived by any of them. Best of luck as we get into the month of June and they continue to crank it out. But that's what we got, man. So stay tuned for the Twitter graphic, of course. We're going we're gonna to sit on that for maybe a day or two just because that's going to incentivize people actually tuning in. But 
We are going to take a short break. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to roll through more details on where the schedule is for the road ahead, where everybody's headed, where everybody's going to be going, where they've been over the past couple days. And then some bonus love for the Arizona Complex League that just got started up this week. We'll map out the whole rundown. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Welcome back, boys and girls. We got the final 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. We don't know. We, we never know how long these are going to go. We just have such a good time together and we just crank it out. We're going to stay here forever and you're staying with us, your <laughs> audience. Wherever you're at in the world, you're going to be just whipping around E470 right now and you're tuning to us and we're going to get you down to the bottom end of that loop if you're up in Brighton <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> or the loop if you're in Arizona with Justin. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody wants to be in the heat, though. Make sure you roll those windows up. <laughs> AC is we'll your go friend. ahead, Man. <laughs> we'll go ahead and whip around all of the affiliates are in standard rundown like we do. Um, we'll map out the previous week and the current week, the week ahead for all now five affiliates. We got five of them cooking now. We'll go ahead and start on mm-hmm. the top over at AAA Albuquerque. Last week, they went three and three at the Sugarland Skeeters. Previously independent Sugarland Skeeters, now converted to the AAA affiliate of the Astros. They are the Sugarland Space Cowboys. They're the now. Space Cowboys. That's right. Oh the, my goodness. Formerly the artists formerly known as the Skeeters are now the Space Cowboys. And I'm not How gonna lie, I really dig their yeah, I dig their logo and their their whole branding thing. I mean, that That's, sounds a little more appealing than a mosquito, too. I, I like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing about mosquitoes is appealing at all. I think they're fine to go extinct personally. <laughs> But when it comes to the Space Cowboys, we, we give a lot of grief for uh, some, some logos and some mascots. I'm looking at you, Tri-City. Um, <laughs> but Sugarland, I want to give some props for. That's, that's pretty dope looking. That's good. Like that's, that's a good rebrand, too. Some of the other rebrands, you know, you're kind of bashing the sanctity of the game. That's, I think that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good one they got going mm-hmm. out there. Leaning into a Steve Miller band joke. I'm all <laughs> This week, AAA Albuquerque, they're going to the El Paso Chihuahuas. Another serious logo that they got going on. Now, something I don't know what's going on with the schedule. Yeah. Um, the first three series of that game, or I'm sorry, the first three games of that series are in Albuquerque, and the last three are in El Paso. And I've I've never seen anything like this since they changed the schedule in 2021. They're doing the hockey home and home, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess proximity-wise, it kind of makes sense. Like, I mean, they're mm-hmm. not substantially far apart. Um, kind of cool i guess i mean that way i mean instead of the team departing for weeks a week at a time you're like yeah we'll just have a short little goodbye this time around yeah the real (laughs) weird part is you're actually they're both the visitors in their own home ballparks so it's a home and is that like actually no that is not i'm (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get a taste of what it's like to be there (laughs) how does it feel being rooted against by your own fans (laughs) i knew this was weird i didn't know it was that weird no i'm just gonna trade uniforms yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a weird home and home thing they got oh my goodness (laughs) we'll move on down the list double a hartford last week they were at home against the reading fighting phils which is you guessed it a phillies affiliate um affiliate no pun intended right there check ah. the way you spell affiliate there you go <laughs> i think they should like lean into it with their mascot and actually just get men named phil 
and just like <laughs> boxing up, Phil? Yeah, I got a friend the named Phil. Phil I can, yeah, I, I I'm gonna nominate my buddy Phil, and uh, he can go in there and, and go three rounds with another Phil. <laughs> That's a good minor league promo. You just have Phil night. Anybody yeah. with an ID that is a the fighting Phils present the fighting Phils, <laughs> and they just go absolutely wild yeah. in the stands. <laughs> oh my good that's good that, that that'll play um this week it's not as well i mean a portland sea dog is also i mean i guess that's kind of exciting i don't think that's as like pun on play on words as fighting fills but yeah isn't I mean, that the like yard a- goats versus the sea dogs i mean that's a little surf and turf action i guess it is you're not wrong i mean <laughs> i just get the visualization of like an otter in my head that's true there you go you never know what you're gonna run into otters are adorable. the petting zoo in portland this week <laughs> goodness uh portland is a boston affiliate so mix it up a little bit um i didn't mention this earlier el paso the padres affiliate so we'll get a little bit of a, a little bit of nl west action going on for prospects mm-hmm. uh, we'll cross into the american league east for double a in high a we're going to cross back into the nl west this week they're going to be taking on the eugene emeralds before then however last week they went three and three north of the border taking on the vancouver canadians now those that remember last year we had to like selectively introduce high A because they played their home games in, I believe it was Hillsborough, if I'm not yep. mistaken, Hillsborough, Oregon. Um, so finally opened the border back up from what I've heard. Like that's always like a favorite road trip from a lot of those guys in that Northwest division, just cause I mean, Vancouver is a nice ballpark. It's a nice atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get to let it roll. Um, Toronto affiliate up there, which I don't know how you could be anything other than a Toronto affiliate if you're named the Canadians, but I mean, very, very well. Why do they lean into that so much? Like there's the Canucks, the Canadians. Yeah. There's two Canadians now at this point. The Ottawa senators, even that's like, yeah, it's like, where do you have the Texas Americans? You know? <laughs> like you, I mean, we have the it, Washington Nationals, though. Like, right. I, mean, I guess that kind of that's fair, but I guess we're just not multiplying it the same way. I mean, I mean we got the Washington Commanders there. now, so but that's new. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't on the horizon. That's new and it's stupid, but it's <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I guess we did it in the the district's capital. Yeah, I mean that's deceitful. Well, I guess the yeah now I'm thinking Washington Capitals for the hockey team. Goodness, yeah. well, I guess we we reserved it to one location. <laughs> If everything we in isolated, Ottawa, yeah, there you yeah. Go. It's I mean, not Vancouver. Yeah, we don't have the Spokane Americans. Yeah, you can branch out. It's okay. Just get get weird with it. That's with what Spokane, we're doing, the Washingtonians versus the Canadians. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, that's I am Eugene Emeralds. I believe they used to be a Cubs affiliate, if I'm not mistaken. Now they're with the Giants after a little bit of realignment post 2020. Um, down on the list to Loe Fresno. Speaking of realignment, this is the colossal realigned Loe mm-hmm. California League. At least Last week, California Fresno, League again. That's your, no, no kidding. We don't need to call it the Loe West anymore. We can yeah. truly call it what it should have been all along. Get that bland um, crap out of here. Goodness, man. Last week, Fresno went three and three at the Modesto Nuts. Now, speaking of which, I was at, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was at Salt River Fields. There was a pitching uh, yesterday watching the complex league game. There was a pitching machine that had a label on it that said Modesto. So it's like as if it would have been sent to Modesto back when it was a Rockies affiliate. So I was going, okay. yeah, that's kind of it's kind of deceiving. That machine probably was feeding balls to somebody that's playing for the Grizzlies right now, and it used to be in the ballpark that they're now playing as a visitor. So yeah. did you need to know that? Absolutely not. That's not right, back to the thrift store conversation. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, there you yeah. go. <laughs> 
Well, that's because I played like, against sports for minor league affiliates. <laughs> it's just a recycled, you never know where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It just showed up in Arizona. So there you go. Yeah. Um, this week, Loe Fresno, they're going to be taking on the Visalia Rawhide. So Arizona affiliate. Out of those four affiliates that we've mentioned, three of them are playing NL West affiliates. So not a bad time to be looking into even the opponents because this could very well be the people that you're going to be seeing coming into Coors Field on both sides of the field, pretty routinely. So kind of cool to map that out. Always interesting, man. I mean, it's yeah. I think you'll have Jordan Lawler taste. going. Yes, on that's right. There you go for for low A. I mean, there's some cool names that that go in with these affiliates. Now you're going to learn to hate them as a Rockies fan when they become <laughs> major leaguers, but at least you can see them on the ground floor a little. That's bit. right, man. Absolutely. We didn't luck out to get a Mackenzie Gore start against the Chihuahuas, but, you know, that's all part of it. I guess that's the way it goes. He's off to bigger and better things. Man. <laughs> we're going to round it out as we normally do. I think we got away from this one time because we were just having so much fun doing our little rundown, but bringing it back, the breakout player to watch. Kenneth, I'll turn it over to you. Who's your guy that you want to keep tabs on? Um, uh, McCade Brown. Uh, we, You know, we've talked about the pitching injuries and, and, uh, you know, so much of the system being depleted on the high-end talent. McCade Brown was a 2021 draft pick out of Indiana. Dude has just unreal stuff. Um, and he was slow to get going in his season debut in 2022. Um, but he's about five, six starts in with Fresno, and he's really getting his feet underneath him. Uh, he's got a 33% strikeout percentage and a walk rate of just 7.1%. So, I mean, the command is there. Over the course of a season so far, he's only really had two bad innings out of all of his starts. One of them, he got blown up for eight runs in his first start, and then he had a four-run um, outburst against Stockton. Other than that, the dude's been nailed, striking everybody out, 65% strike rate. I really do believe in this big frame, big arm guy, and I think that he's going to turn a corner, and he's already starting to very quickly in low A Fresno and could be ticketed for a high A Spokane with another really strong month. So I'm watching for McCade Brown because I, I have big expectations. I think he's a really, really good arm. You know, I think that's really cool, especially with the experience that he had. I mean, as a big 10 conference type of dude from Indiana, he's got different advantages than potentially some of those younger guys in Fresno and especially mm-hmm. seeing the jumps that he could inevitably make when he gets called up, you could make the argument that maybe he deserves a more expedited path through the big league or through the minor league ranks. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly suggesting that he could definitely be one to break out at any point in time. So I like that pick. If I'm going to go with my guy. And, well, just to finish that thought, if you can get him and Rock and Hill kind of all at the same time towards the end sure. of the season, I mean, like that's kind of the dream. And Rock is doing it in high A Spokane. McCade is, you know, getting back up to speed in Fresno and Hill's going to be behind him. There's a chance where we can start seeing the stars align with all three. We could start having a whole lot more hope than some of the higher levels that we seem are getting a little thin right yes. now. And that would be yes. ideal, man. That's my optimistic view. <laughs> That's the way to get it done. We should have started the episode with that rather than, oh, AAA is kind of thin and we're in an emergency status. We should have just like really an insult sandwich. We, <laughs> like, we should have just put good, bad, good. <laughs> we're really having an end heavy optimism episode i mean it, it sends the people off on a high note i guess so that's all you that's why you stick for. around that's why you stick around <laughs> this is going to make sure that we secure the viewership for the ways to go man we did three zoom meetings to be positive all right <laughs> um i jumped over the complex league in our rundown i just wanted to mention this they started their opening day was on monday of this week june mm-hmm. 6th um they don't do series and they have every Wednesday off. So it's a very weird schedule. They're back in action against the Giants and then the Giants, which they play Giants Orange and Giants Black. 
So Giants purple. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> you just never know, man. You yeah. leave the you leave the white unit, the oh, the home whites and the red mix, and you get pink, and then there you go. It's super hard to look ahead on the ACL. Like we don't even yeah. know starting for the most part. Um, so a lot of it is just going to be catching up, catching up as it happens. But you talked about Weatherly through the other day. Yes, that's an that's encouraging right. sign to see him back. We could see McMahon. We could see Jaden Hill start making their season debuts, most likely in the ACL in the near future. We're not exactly sure when it's going to happen. So there's a lot of good reasons to follow the ACL. You're just going to have to see it after it happens. So um, one thing that I just want to point out real quick, Jordy Vargas made a stateside debut. Um, he's somebody that a lot of people are really high on on prospect lists and he threw against the giants. I don't know. Um, yellow. And in the first game, <laughs> five innings, eight K's, one walk, one hit, one earned. It was a home run that he allowed, but the arm is electric, really easy gas. Um, he's somebody worth getting excited about. And the fact that he's throwing in Arizona right now shows he could be ticketed for Fresno this season too. Um, we talked about pitching being thin. Well, if you have like a big arm like him and he gets on the same level that we had Helkris Oliveras on when he first made his debut, it's someone worth getting excited about. And uh, last plug, if uh, you go onto YouTube, there's a really, really good fan graphs video of that start. That's right. You can see it for yourself. I mean, the dude, dude pumps so it's 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 really cool um and he's worth following and seeing how he does in the rest of the acl starts he has you know the good source of having a podcast partner like my guy k-dub is he's putting together of course the pebble report actual article every morning and then you get this investigative strategy where he's digging up the video for you everything that you need to see about these guys like and there's not much more you can ask for when you, when, I mean, when you're talking about the full platter, this is everything <laughs> you're looking for, man. Tell somebody hires me to make the videos for them. That's kind of yeah, no kidding. That's the next step. So, oh yeah. my goodness. You want somebody to make some videos of these. I'm down. This the Otherwise I'll just right find there. them. I'll go ahead. I, I'll run out. I didn't mean to jump around on the breakout. Oh, you're to watch. My guy will be, I'm going with my boy, Isaac Collins. Just hit yeah. his first double, first double a home run on Tuesday night. Um, the crew over at Blake street banter was all over it. They even tagged me in it. I was kind of fired up about that. Nice. So shout out to those guys for doing that. And again, want to give a big tip and cap to the crew over at Blake street banter, a lot of great minor league analysis that they've got as well. And they were the first on this, like they actually found it even before I did, which that's saying something. Um, anyways, he has, a, I hate to say he's had a reasonably cold bat for the month of May, you know, again, still getting acclimated for, I mean, the, the pitching in Hartford at this point in time, but I think that, you know, just the fact that he's starting to string together these extra base hits. He's starting to build the confidence. He's leaving the yard now. He's doing some really solid signs that he's getting acclimated again. I think this could be the sign of a pretty solid breakout. And, you know, I don't want to make any, like, lofty projections by any means, but I'm certainly hoping by the time we roll that all-June team around, I think that he could definitely put a candidacy together. And, you know, he's been on our list before in previous months, so mm -hmm. certainly somebody to invest pretty highly in. And that's what we got, man. Canada, that jump from dude. high A to double A, it's not easy, man. And so, like, Collins, it's not worth giving up yet. It's it's a tough adjustment for a ball yeah. player. And and how he finished May was a good sign uh, for his development. And, Isaac, if you're listening, I just want you to know that Justin spelled your name wrong on the spreadsheet. Are you serious? <laughs> I-S-S. Oh my goodness. I, mean, I, was so, I was so excited that, oh man, I was You're so excited good. that we were just powering through. <laughs> Former teammate, but oh my God, I was going to say, yeah, the, one the, dude might, the dude that won actually might call me out on that is probably him. 
Oh my goodness, that is. I but was so it was a up. really good finish. It was a good finish, and like he is a good ball player. And just if it takes time to adjust for some guys in Double A, look at Aaron Chunk in twenty twenty one. So you know, hopefully he's turning that corner. I totally love that pick. You know, we'll have a good time with it, and of course, a lot of good stuff to be following along with. And you know, we're back in the full swing of you know all five affiliates. I mean, considering the complex league and affiliate, you got five teams to follow on top DSL of the club. That's yeah. That was gonna say yeah. We got. Can't be leaving anybody out of that mix yeah. right there. Man. We get to see Dion Jorge. See what that there looks like. There you go. Dion, D Juan. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> a, not... a lot of box scores to be soaking up at this point yeah. in time. So yeah. definitely, of course. With that being said, that was why we couldn't go any further without giving you guys another episode with this. And we are so thrilled to be bringing back this podcast as much as we possibly can. Um, thanks again for tuning in. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find my guy Kenneth at Kdub1988. Myself at Just Wick, of course, Purple Row all over Twitter as well, at Purple Row. Um, special shout out to all of our colleagues over at SB Nation. Want to give another shout out to our crew, the Affected by Altitude podcast, also brought to you by the good folks over at Purple Row. Their scheduling has been, I don't want to say it's erratic, but I mean, there's been some cool promotions with our crew. Skylar Timmons, he's actually working for the Northern Colorado Owls and I mean, that's first and foremost awesome gig that he's got going on right there. With a so, Z. With the, with the Z, you got a sweet hat and everything, you got a rebrounded. <laughs> no, so very cool. I mean, like very excited for Good him. And, you know, make sure you show him some love as well. Um, and especially, you know, if you're in the Northern Colorado area and you make it on out to a ball game, you can go find him in person. So that's some serious stuff. So yeah. on top of this, special thanks all of our colleagues at SB Nation, all of our media people across all the Rockies minor league cities. Huge thank you to all of you guys for tuning in. Huge thank you to the legend Kenneth Weber. My man, we did it. Good. Thank you, brother. We survived. Zoom, Zoom made it happen somehow. That's somehow, true. I didn't, I didn't want happen. to say this. I didn't want to say this because I don't want people to think that we're on a budget over here. But I was using like, I mean, you make the most of the different free trials and the ones that will get the recordings online. We have done three separate Zoom meetings for each separate like post commercial <laughs> break, and we've waited for them to load. We've persevered, you know. We've it's like a boxing match, you know. We went to our corner, we regrouped ourselves, and then we went and recorded again. What we're really saying is we need a producer because we get off task very easily. <laughs> we have a really good time, and then the next thing you know, the Zoom time limit flashes up, and you realize we haven't even hit record yet. We've just been joking around yeah. on the commercial. Siri break. yells at us that the time is running out, and it's just flashing lights all over. <laughs> computer oh my goodness man you know it's all good and fun i wouldn't have it any other way man always always a pleasure always just keep doing your thing man and i mean absolutely yes, dominating the coaching scene in greater colorado if you find yourself watching some amateur baseball there's a good chance kenneth weber had some kind of impact on somebody on that field in colorado good or <laughs> bad very cool oh no come on man <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of my co-host and purple row writer kenneth weber my name is justin wick of purple row we're looking forward to bringing you this all season long having an absolute blast doing it thank you guys for tuning in and until next time let's play ball